Good morning, everybody. Damn, it's a great day. Happy Monday. Welcome to episode 157 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and damn, I'm glad you're here today. Let's get right to it. Chip, chop, chippity, chop, chop. Today, my guest is Mr. Clark Orr. He is an illustrator and artist. He's co-founder of Hellcats USA with his wife, Brittany. He's also the owner of CODC Studio or Clark Orr Design Co. And uh, he hails from Orlando, Florida. During this episode, we talk about his gateway to design, how he got in the game, and how comic books and really nice packaging was sort of the intro there. We also talk about a few of the designs that were really influential to him and why. We talk about tech decks. You remember those little finger skateboards? Well, they're still cool. I still think about them. And we talk about how one of his uh, designs, some of his artwork, was used on one once. We also get into talking about poster printing and the magic that there is in creating tangible designs. And we talk about them challenges of the creative career and the stuff that he faces on the regular. We also get into the importance of communication with our clients, and that's been brought up a few times, and we'll hear his perspective on that. And then we talk about Hellcats right in the end and why he's so proud of that company and what him and Brittany have done with it. And if you all haven't been watching their Instagram recently, Hellcats just dropped some wicked new merch just in time for the old holiday season. So check that out, hellcatsusa.com. Don't miss it. There's some wicked stuff there. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a fun one. Clark is a genuine gent, so let's get right to it. My guest who stopped in for a quickie today, Clark Orr. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Clark, how are you today, man? Good, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks so much for making time to be on the show today. Yeah, thanks for asking me. Awesome, man. Honored. Well, well, honored. Gosh, don't flatter me. Um, are you ready for a quickie? Uh, what did you just say? <laughs> oh, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I thought the wink really gave it away. But <laughs> I'm awesome. ready for the podcast. Perfect. Uh, why don't you briefly tell the listeners about yourself? Well, my name is Clark Orr. I'm a graphic designer and illustrator based out of Orlando, Florida. Uh, I have a design studio called Clark Orr Design Co. Uh, and I also am a co-founder of a goods brand called Hellcats USA uh, that I started with my wife about three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like to think that I am uh, a funny person. We'll see by the end of the podcast. I like to think <laughs> that I'm um, an amateur magician on the side. Uh, <laughs> I like to invent stuff. Uh, how deep do you want me to go here? I, uh, <laughs> you go as deep as you want. You're into amateur magician right now. I don't know how much deeper you go. That's true. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's the that's the outline. I love it, man. So Hellcats about three years ago. Um, Clark or Design Co. What's the history on that? 
Yeah, so I mean, really, I guess when you ask that, you ask like, what's the history behind me as an artist? Um, because I, I guess I'd be starting in the middle. So which one do you want me to? Which way do you want me to take it? Let's give me give me a timeline on Clark Or Studio. When did you start that, and how long has that been up and running for? Yeah, so um, technically since 2013 okay. um, is when I kind of took on the studio um, as a uh, as a full time endeavor. Okay. Whereas before, uh, I think I really technically kind of launched it in like 2007, maybe. Okay. So. Um, yeah, that's that's the timeline, and it's what I continue to do now. It's essentially my um, I, I did, couldn't come up with a good enough moniker that I wanted to to call it. <laughs> so it was a safe, safe and easy way to work. It was kind of a way for me to not lose uh, identity with my name, at least early on when I was starting my business. I was trying to to work under the the assumption that um, if someone I want someone to know my work as me and not be confused like as easily um and just since then i haven't come up with a cooler name so it worked. <laughs> i love it <laughs> so yeah, it, 2007 I would, I would say is when that technically kind of started okay so that was your side hustle first and then you went full time with it so right what were you doing before when it was a side hustle what were you up to then yeah, so I wouldn't even necessarily call it like a side hustle. Well, okay. uh, probably the, the best way to, to kind of to start it off is when I was in high school, uh, I started dabbling in, um, you know, graphic design and art, and that was about 2001, I would say, and that kind of launched really quickly into what would be, you know, a young freelance career just mm-hmm. as like a high school student. Yep. Um, in about 2001, then about 2003, I, I joined up with a t-shirt brand it was based up in Boston and I worked from a freelance basis to like a full-time basis kind of off and on between 2003 to 2013, which is when I, I left that company and started really focusing solely on, on a freelance career, okay. um, but kind of off and on from freelance to full-time with that, that company, which it was called Johnny Cupcakes. Got it. Um, yeah. Johnny Cupcakes, familiar with that one. Oh. Um, so now, Clark, I want to dive back even further. I want to get into your childhood, and I want to know from you, do you feel that you had a creative childhood that pointed you in this career direction? Yes and no. Um, the, I, would say, I would say yes, and my, my dad's a sign painter. So I was raised and you know, I was raised, you know, in a sign shop growing up. Uh-huh. So that's, that, that instantly comes with creativity and is packed with creativity. Um, so subconsciously, yes. Whereas that was just a, a job like uh-huh. sign painter, sign painter wasn't like cool until the sign painter documentary came out, you know, some, some letters <laughs> would say that they were into it, but that's a fairly new kind of, uh, like interest in, in the design community. Uh, uh-huh. I, I would argue, um, but when I was growing up in it, obviously as, as a son of some of a professional sign painter, it was just like uh, that's my dad's work that is in the house. Yeah. So I was surrounded by creativity. I was sur- surrounded by logos and hierarchy and letter form, you know, at an early age. But was I was I drawing any more than most kids? Probably not until maybe ten or eleven when I got into comic books and 
you know, uh, cartoons and whatnot. I would draw Ninja Turtles like everybody else. So mm-hmm. I, I would say yes and no. It wasn't like, because I'm the son of a sign painter, I was drawing logos since I was a kid. That didn't really come in, into play until I was a teenager for sure. Got it. Who's your favorite Ninja Turtle? Um, man, out of the turtles or, or character uh, from the from the series. Let's go with let's go with just turtles. Okay, just turtles. I mean, I would say the easy ones, Michelangelo, just because like he was he was relatable. He liked to skate. He liked pizza. Mm-hmm. All the other ones were either too badass or too nerdy or too like parenty. Totally. Um, so I think that yeah. Yeah, he's the most and, relatable. Yeah, I would say so, especially as a kid, which is why he's sort of a crowd favorite. But. <laughs> Definitely. So through this creative journey, when was that, you know, illustrative and graphic design light just really turned on for you? Um, I would say one of the things that I that I go back to, um, I mean, there's kind of a couple is the first time that I was cognizant of being interested in art was when I kind of got involved um, in underground music and like the punk scene and, you know, having, having a visual representation of this really accessible scene, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, the independent or like punk scene for me, which would have been in high school. Uh, That's when I really became aware of like, Oh, I could, I I don't know how to play guitar. I can't sing, uh, you know, I can't play, any other instrument, but I could be involved and that involvement was maybe I can make a band poster or uh, a flyer or a band t-shirt or an album cover. That's when I really, I would say, became fully interested in, and engaged in that. Um, looking back, though, I would say that as a, as a child, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are a good example, is you you know look at the, at the, at the packaging um, and you know, you could look at the front of it, there's a cool illustration, look at the back of it, see all the other Ninja Turtles that you could collect, all the different characters that you could collect. Most kids would rip the packaging open. So I always like to say that, looking back on it, I used to, I used to value the packaging like way more than any of my friends did. Mm-hmm. Um, and the colors and the typography just really connected to me in a way that I didn't understand until later in life. Mm-hmm. So, that's cool. I like that tie-in with uh, sort of the direction I'm going to go with this here. Um, but what stands out to you as the most influential designer illustration of your life so far? Something that you saw and just really stuck with you? Man, that's, uh, that's a good question. I would say one specific design, that oh, that's very hard. Because growing up in a, you know, in a sign shop, I was surrounded by them so if i wanted to be you know sentimental i might say something like um you know outfield wall at a baseball stadium that my dad painted you know when i was a kid um or you know if i wanted to get a little more specific uh to what really moved me in the direction of creating art it would be um ccs magazine which was skate magazine mm-hmm. um in the uh, in the 90s and i would just pour through you know, these magazines or thrash or whatever it was, trans world. Um, it would be, uh, it would be skateboard art. One of them I would say is like, uh, the Zitzer bear deck from birdhouse. Okay. I remember when I was in sixth grade, I, I painted 
or I mean, I, I drew that bear, which I you might be able to Google it. I tried to find it not that long ago, and it took me a while to, to figure it out. Um, but yeah, if you Google Zitzer Bear Birdhouse Skate Deck, that, that one really sticks out to me. Um, and yeah, so I, I've never been asked that question, so it's a very random thing to, to pull out. <laughs> to sort of reflect back on. Well, there's yeah. a couple of things that you mentioned there, and it was for different reasons, too. One had that more sentimental you know, value to it, and one just stands out because it looked cool, and it's, it's stuck with you. The memory of it has stuck with you for so long, right? For sure, yeah. Do you remember the, the little finger skateboards that they used to make? Yeah, yeah, tech decks. Yeah, tech decks. That was the term for it. And then they made little BMX bikes the same way. Yeah, yeah. And just hearing you talk about the skateboard art, I like just strongly remember those and the packaging that those came in. Yeah, it's just awesome. my one of my friends. Shout out to my buddy Casey Weisenbaker. He's he's huge into tech decks right now as like a thirty five year old. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, he's rad at it. So I might yeah. I might pick it up. But you know, it's it's kind of funny. I'm kind of jumping the gun maybe a little bit, but actually I designed some skate decks probably like five to seven years ago. Okay. I was in tar- Target one, one day looking for a present for my nephew and they made a tech deck out of, out of the deck that I did. No way. So, yeah. So I had, it, I don't have it here in the studio. It's on my house, but um, it was pretty cool. So you didn't know about it, but you just saw it in store. Yeah. Cause I think what happens is they, they make these deals you know, whoever makes Tech Deck, whatever that brand is, if it's not just Tech Deck, they they purchase these graphics from these skate companies and they license the artwork. Well, I've already been paid for the artwork, yeah. So they just are using these decks that actually already exist. Mm-hmm. I think I think sometimes they just grab whichever ones they think kids will like, which colors look cool, and they they picked one of mine, um, which is funny because it was a skate skateboard for real skateboards, and the the graphic was. Uh, less than child friendly, maybe. <laughs> um, but whatever. It's for the edgy kids. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I want to know now who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow because um, you and Brittany and Hellcats have been mentioned on the show a few times for this part. Oh, so cool. I'm going to turn it around to you and who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? give some shout outs uh, yeah I mean if we're talking about like contemporary artists and designers and I'm, I'm probably gonna go I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends uh, in, in this community mm-hmm. um, people that are you know pretty much like family um, but yeah like people like uh, Jenna Blazevich who owns Vitchcraft in Chicago she's an incredible artist and hand metter um, and just really cares about about the craftsmanship that goes into to her work. Um, people like Austin Dunbar owns Durham Brand and Co. in Covington, Kentucky. He was on the show, right? Yeah, I had him on the show a few episodes ago. Okay, cool. Uh, that guy's that guy's equally as good a designer as he is person, which is mm. kind of crazy because he's a sweetheart. Um, you know, then you got uh, people, folks like Chris Lee, Beast is back. You know, he that guy is so so incredible he would say that he's more in the illustrative um kind of into things and less like design world mm-hmm. uh, which i think i think could be argued I, I was hanging out with him a few days ago we were saying how he's like man we're in such different worlds even though we do such similar stuff <laughs> um but he's incredible he's an he's a illustrator and toy maker and designer 
uh, all around great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say people like Don Clark and Ryan Clark, Invisible Creature, and Ryan, who um, you know they, they both started Asterix Studio back in the day. Um, if it wasn't for them, I, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm, I'm doing. And I remind them every time I see them. <laughs> um, but they're great. Dave Quiggle, who's you know like an older brother to me, he's in uh, Southern California. He's a tattooer and illustrator. He's mm. his work is he just keeps getting better and better. Um, I've heard good things and, about Dave's. Oh yeah, he's he's just he's a great guy. That combination of someone who's like a great person and a great artist is is just uh, it's really cool. I like. I like when you meet someone who they're a good person first and mm-hmm. then you like see their art and you're like, man, you're incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the hood sisters, um, Amy and Jen hood, their, their work is phenomenal. They're releasing amazing, you know, um, I guess materials for the design world that we really, really need, you know, they have the, the freelance and stuff book, uh, and they just came out with a new font. So yeah, we're just we're we're lucky to be in such an inspiring creative scene where, where these people are just really, you know, great people. I'm sure I'm forgetting I have so many friends that are that I could shout out here, I just don't mm-hmm. think we have enough time on the podcast. But. Yeah, no, you definitely mentioned some great names that have been um you know brought up on the show before and you know, the same thing said about them is you know, the joy of being able to be in such um, such a supportive community, but also a talented community. Totally. It's yeah. super uplifting. Yeah. Uh, Clark, I want to now ask you about print and packaging, and I want to hear how you have utilized print and packaging design um, in your design career. Any stories around print or packaging you can share too? Uh, yeah, I mean, I being being so inspired early on as, as a creative through things like poster art, mm-hmm. you know, that's, it's this archaic, you know, kind of printing technique, maybe not archaic, but like somewhat um, aged printing technique that if you know, you know, kind of a thing, but it's easier just to go digital for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but having that tactile relationship between, uh, you know, ink, screen, paper, it's just, it's really magical and it, it kind of intrigued me early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say that one of the things that really changed my life and my career is starting to make posters for myself. Mm. Um, and then that, that screen printed poster specifically. Um, and that was, you know, making posters was the thing that gave me the taste of, oh, I can create this, um, this business off of making products for myself not just being hired to work for somebody else. And then that first poster I made, you know, it was a risk, but I put it out there, you know, that showed me that there was demand after it started selling. Mm-hmm. So that moved from going to where like my, a lot of the work I was doing was going to print specifically in the apparel war- world. Um, I started to see this idea of like, they can do that. Maybe I can't, I don't believe in myself enough to do my own art that's going to be printed. So I'll just do it for somebody else. And then when I got that taste of printing for myself, actually seeing the print process from start to finish, uh, I kind of fell in love with that. So I'd say in the 2010s is when I really made a jump into starting making products for myself. And I've, I've been doing that ever since. And, and a lot of that is, is printed materials, mm-hmm. um, paper, 
you know, or otherwise. So um, I would say uh, what would be a good story is, and, and this is something that that I've gotten a lot of like comments on in the past, but to me, I always thought that I had to make, you know, let's say it was a screen print poster, a little bit cooler than just a print. Mm-hmm. I felt like I, I, I needed a gimmick because the art wasn't good enough. So I started doing things like I was, I'd make it a glow-in-the-dark poster that reacted, you know, or looked like it interacted with either the audience or the audience could interact with the glow-in-the-dark. And then I, I made a poster that was Anaglyph 3D, which is the red and, red and green or red and blue um, uh, inks that are overlaid and then you put on the red and blue uh, glasses yep. and it creates that effect. I, I taught myself how to do that and I made that for a poster and again, the audience could interact with the poster. And then I made a scratch and sniff poster, which I don't think I'd ever seen before. No. Um, but my, my good friends at Mama Saucer in Orlando, yeah. they helped me create that. I had this vision of a Willy Wonka, you know, lickable wallpaper print. And I was like, what if I could like really smell like snozberries, you know? So <laughs> they, they helped me figure out like how to mix the oil and the ink and took care of that for me. And, and that, I mean, that's just like a fun kind of way to explain what I've done in the past in terms of like actual printing. Um, but it's it's interesting to look back at, at why I thought I had to do that because I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe my art could do the trick. So I had to, I had to add some sort of twist to make it unique. Mm-hmm. Well, now now looking back on it, I collect all that shit. I collect low the art stuff. I collect 3D stuff, you know, 3D comics and um, I guess I won't have a lot of scratch and sniff stuff, but like those are things that I grew up with and I, I still kind of relate to as, as fun and nostalgic. So I put it into my art mm-hmm. and maybe the excuse was that's how I had to sell it. Man, I love that. And you're totally right. Why is there not more scratch and sniff stuff? <laughs> a, the shelf life of it is, uh, pretty, uh, pretty short. So, it is. Yeah. Um, which someone, I had an art show in LA a couple years ago. And someone brought in the original print, which I had thought they, uh, the smell had dissipated by then. And uh, he's like, I want you to sign this, even though I'd already signed it <laughs> before. Um, <laughs> he, he's like, it still smells. I was like, no, it's, it's been like five or six years. There's no way. And he pulled it out, and sure enough, the thing still smells. So I think if you contain something to scratch and sniff, yeah. um, so the smell doesn't you know, deteriorate. Yeah, that's so uh, cool. Maybe that saves it, but... Yeah. yeah, I love that. You know, in my job in the commercial print industry, you know, getting to play around with, um, you know, perceptions and going beyond just a tactile experience to starting to interact with sense and, yeah. you know, using the sense of sight in different ways, you know, whether it be lenticular or whatever, right? There's a lot of really cool things you can do with that tangible medium. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, we, we made some lenticular uh, keychains with Hellcats, and I, I figured out the process of doing it. And it's way more complicated, more so on the print side of things. You need a really good printer, and the, for whatever reason, the file size it has to be like insanely large. So it's just a lot of trial and error. But my, I always wanted to make a, a lenticular print, art print. Mm-hmm. Um, I, have, I actually have a really good idea. I've had this idea for a long time. Of what it could be, but maybe I'll maybe I'll work on it in the future. <laughs> That's cool, man. Um, Clark, the next few questions are the tough ones, the tough stuff. 
Um, the next few questions take you down the part of your career where you likely made some mistakes and learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out for the listeners. Um, what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Yeah. Um, man, it's, it's a really tough question. I would say, I mean, it, there's not one specific time where, you know, this industry is tough and then it's fine from then on out. I think, I think the best thing I could, could tell listeners um, is sort of like, there's times where you feel like you're on top of your game or like you're doing your best and then like the next month you like, you get no work and maybe the month after that. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you know, good your work is or how notable or how many Instagram followers you have. Um, we're working in an industry where what we do is so attached to who we are, whether, whether placed on ourselves or by somebody else. Um, and that's hard, you know, like I always get equated to being a musician is a musician gets one chance to make a record, you know, when you put that out, it's like, here's what I did with my time. And as an artist, when you're putting your work out there for somebody who has all these rules and stipulations that no one else knows about, they just see the final product. And that kind of, that's such a difficult task. So um, in terms of like, when, when it has it been difficult, I would say it's difficult on like, you know, a monthly basis or every few, <laughs> few months it gets, you know, right now I, I I'm working against this crazy deadline and I'm, I'm so stressed right now. Um, I think it's, I think it's going to work out, but I'm spinning like 20 plates right now. And I think a lot of designers understand that. I think that's, that's really relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm talking about like one, one specific, you know, situation, it's going to be really tough. Um, and I would say I, you know, I got burnt out when I was working for this for the T-shirt company, uh, Johnny Cupcakes. I think I think I felt, you know, I've talked about this on podcasts and stuff before. But I, I um, when I was younger, I didn't realize, you know, you feel invincible, um, and you feel like you have this great capacity to take on things. And it, it wasn't, it didn't really have anything to do with the company. Is why I burn out. It's how I perceive my work and, and my value and what I had to get done. It's not necessarily like the brand was putting that pressure on me. I had that pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and with like, you know, I deal with anxiety a bit and I think it, I created this perfect storm. So I think, it, you know, if there's anything that I can kind of pull from that is, um, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're like, we're making art, we're drawing pictures for people and we just want people to, to like it and mm-hmm. we want our customers to be, um, to get benefit out of it for what they have going on. And it's impossible to carry the weight of what often we put our, that on ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to carry the weight of like redesigning a brand for a global company, you know? So I, I would say I, I've learned to have to, to go easier on myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well said for sure. Yeah. Okay. I want to get a little bit more specific now. And I want to ask you about a specific design or project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Um, no, everything I do is gold. <laughs> uh, no. Everything I touch is gold. Yeah. I, 
I will say that uh, I've been pretty fortunate that I haven't had too many um, too many projects take a real bad turn. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever it does, it's it's often it's often a misunderstanding. It's two yes. two people are talking on the phone or the email. And they're talking past each other. Something one specific detail has has missed. You know, both parties or one party, right? So. Um, I would say one of the, one of the, one of a more recent one is I had my first client like yell on me over the phone over a mistake of their own. And instead of me telling them that they were wrong, I assumed the mistake was on my side. Mm-hmm. So I spent that whole, it was like the, the night before Thanksgiving, I want to say, I spent that whole night, uh, working on this, this project to get it to them when they thought when they thought it was supposed to be done, well, it wasn't. They just they missed an email or they forgot it, um, and they they sat on the phone for like twenty minutes, like making me feel really terribly. And then the next morning, I got an email that was essentially like it, it was all caps apologies, you know. And luckily, they they like owned up to it. But um, you know, anytime anytime I feel like I let a client down, at, and it's just who I am. Because I it hurt it hurts me really hard. I I carry the I carry so much weight on on my work. Um, uh, maybe if we're talking about projects that, that didn't go the way they wanted because of me, um, it's man. Maybe I just block that stuff out. But I think I'm. <laughs> I've I've heard some friends that have have had really um, really terrible situations go go the wrong way for them. Um, I think, you know, to be honest, I think a lot of my work isn't high-level work that carries a ton of responsibility the way I have some of my mm-hmm. friends do. You know, I have friends that, that create new packaging campaigns for global, like, billion-dollar brands. Wow. That, rare, that rarely comes across my plate. Mm-hmm. You know, if I – the thing that I might screw up is, like, mm-hmm. mis, misspelling something on, on a menu – for like a really cool local restaurant. That's mm-hmm. the kind of, those are the stakes that I, that I kind of have on a day to day. Sometimes they're, they're a little um, crazier, but yeah, I don't know if I have a, have a good example of something that just really went, went terrible aside from the interpersonal kind of conflicts that cut, that arise mm-hmm. from work, you know? No, but I like how you explained that, you know, when, when something isn't going right or jiving right, it's like you're saying, like, you know, it's just two trains passing in the night where the communication is just like not point to point. There's some little, there's something going on where somebody's misunderstanding something. Um, So when that situation happens and you sort of find yourself in that situation, what do you do to correct course? Yeah. I mean, this, this just happened uh, yesterday is I, um, you know, luckily this isn't like a life altering mistake or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just, I kind of missed over a detail on a project on this crazy deadline. Um, and it, you know, I, I truly think it was my mistake. I just misunderstood a couple things and I apologize. I think, I think one of the best things you can do is if you mess up, own up, own up to the mistake 100%. because, uh, you know, they'll, you don't, you don't want someone to think that you're lying to them or just, mm-hmm. you know, not, not being honest about the situation. And the, the situation was I made a mistake regardless of how small or how big, you know, 
the deal was I just I I missed I missed that and I want to own up to it. Uh, sometimes that's easier said than done, and sometimes it's scarier. Luckily, the client was understand understanding, and they you know accepted the apology. But just being honest usually makes things go <laughs> go easier. So definitely. All right, I'm going to turn this bus around, Clark. I want you now to tell us about a project that you've been a part of, that you're the most proud of, the one that just makes your heart sing. Yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, there's probably a few of those, but Hellcats is one of them. Um, You know, when I was, before we started Hellcats, I was making screen-printed posters that were going to a pop culture gallery Mm -hmm. that were art prints based off of pop culture um, properties, so Ghostbusters or Ninja Turtles or, you know, whatever it was. Um, and I really love that artwork. It's some of my, some of my masterpieces, I would say. Uh, but at the end of the day, that artwork was based off of someone else's idea. Like at, at some level that the, the kernel of idea wasn't my own, you know, it was, you know, Eastman or, you know, uh, Owned by Columbia Pictures, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, but that led me down a path of like, now that I know that people can buy something that I create, it's my own um, product. What if it was my very own from conception? Like, my very, it wasn't based off of like some inside joke or what, or some like meme or whatever, my very own thing. So, so when me and Brittany started Hellcats, the, the challenge for me was how do I create a viable product? that comes from like from our tastes, from the things that we would buy if they were out there. Um, and seeing that progress over the past three and a half years has been really encouraging because we've come up with some really cool, like unique ideas that are things that um, people enjoy. And that that I get the most gratification out of. You know, I enjoy working for clients. I always will. But having having an idea that you spent money to produce to put out there, that you're paying to you know paying for a website to host you know this product, and then seeing seeing that email come in that, that there's a, a purchase notification like that that's so gratifying that, that someone's trusting you with their time with their money, um, and sometimes with a gift let's say, and that that's that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of out of my career and obviously i have to share that with my wife Brittany. but um yeah definitely hellcats that's such awesome story um clark you made it to the part of the show for the ask it forward question my friend it's where i've got a question for you for my last guest and you get the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest i'm not going to tell you who they are but you can ask them anything okay cool um give me a hint though um no i'm just getting you off no, I wasn't going to. I was going to completely mislead, mislead you. <laughs> um, okay, if you had a, and this is kind of cheesy. I, I'm just kind of related to what we're talking about. But like, if you had like a mutant power, what would it be? Ooh, well done, well played. Just even like, and tell them like it can't be like a like I would fly. Like it's got to be like a weird mutant power. If you had mm-hmm. a um, sort of uh, a not well known mutant power yeah like because obviously the the, the 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 obvious ones are like i'd be invisible or i'd fly yeah. it's like no give me like the crazy thing where you would like like a bizarre create, like five arms you know <laughs> <laughs> a bizarre mutant power what would it be yeah, so, yeah. 
Um, right on. So my previous guest was Flora Gordon. She is a art director and graphic designer out of Vancouver, BC here. And cool. she practices what she describes as intuitive design, which is pretty cool oh. to hear about. She wanted to ask you, what is the biggest misconception about graphic design? And who does that misconception come from? Oh, man. That's a good question. It, dep- it really depends um, who it's coming from. Because if it's from a client, the, I would say the biggest misconception is time. Like how quickly does it – or how quick does it take – to get to something or, or yeah. to finish it, I'm, I'm really that's very relevant for me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say if it's coming from like the public, you know, a lot of people. I used I used to say this is I used to think I used to be scared to tell people I was a graphic designer because I they would often say oh or like a freelance graphic designer in their minds I was afraid that they were going to think that I didn't have work or that mm-hmm. it was like oh, you design brochures or whatever thing that I didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's a little more uh, forward-facing of a job. I think a lot more people are aware of, of what that is now than maybe when I first started like 18 or 19 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think often they, they think that it means, uh, oh, you design newspapers. Or oftentimes it's like, oh, you design logos. It's like, yeah, I do that. I do a ton of other things too. Mm-hmm. Packaging illustration. Um, I'm, I would say I'm a designy illustrator, mm. and not not just a, a graphic designer because I am half the projects I get are more are for illustration. The other half are branding and graphic design related. Mm-hmm. So my answer is a little bit different. But um, yeah, did I answer that right? Did I, yeah, you did. Okay. You gave two different all. perspectives. You gave the client okay. and the public perspective, okay, cool. and sort of what their sort of misconceptions would be about uh, graphic design. Man, should I, maybe I should do a graphic design question. Do do people give questions that are Oh man, often I've, had, I've had everything from what's your favorite pizza to, you know, in depth. Is that Scotty Russell? <laughs> Actually, I think it was. It was. <laughs> I think it was, yeah. And, um, you know, I've had questions about, you know, how can graphic designers use their skills and talents to, um, you know, support the movements, the political movements that they support. Like I've had a, a variety of questions, so that fits right in. Yeah, cool. You're sticking with a mutant. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Man. you should. It's your opportunity yeah, to flex uh, your personality. So whatever you feel. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah. I dig That's it. it. <laughs> Clark, you made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast, man. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you, you know, fitting this in with your busy schedule and tight deadlines and everything. It's awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate you uh having me on here. I'm glad I'm part of the lineup now. <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, everybody. I really appreciate your time. If you have not had the opportunity yet, please head over to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.